You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 393. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 393. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, my amazing audience. Welcome to another episode of the Joy Junkie Show. We are going to be kicking off a new series. This is only going to be three episodes this go around, but we're going to be digging into working with anxiety. Now, let me tell you that of the thousands of women that I have had the great fortune to work with over the last 10, 15 years, I have to say that anxiety in some kind of form is unbelievably prevalent. And sometimes it is only around certain triggers. Sometimes it's people who've had anxiety their entire life, which is very much my story. I'm going to share with you here in a little bit. Sometimes it's a social anxiety where it has everything to do with environment and who you are around. Regardless of how anxiety shows up in your life, please know that you are totally normal. And there are a a bevy of different things that you can do to stave off that rather uncomfortable feeling. So coming up on this particular series, today we're going to dig into a couple of ways to work with your anxiety. I'm going to share with you my personal story. We're going to talk about where anxiety actually originated and what's the difference between situational anxiety and chronic anxiety. We're going to talk about ways that you can work with it. I'm going to give you a bunch of different resources and ideas on some very practical things that you can do to start mitigating that anxious feeling that arises here and there. Then next week, I'm super excited to dial up an expert. Hopefully, I'll be able to reach her, a dear friend and colleague of mine named LaToya Newton, and she's going to share with you all some of her experiences with anxiety and another manifestation of anxiety called depersonalization that I had actually never heard of before, but is a very, very real thing. So she's going to share what that was like for her and some of her tactics that she's employed in order to put together almost a little formula to help her combat anxiety completely naturally without any sort of drugs or Western medical influence. And then finally, rounding out the series, we're going to be doing a tool episode, and we're still working on this. It's probably going to be emotional freedom technique, which is also commonly called tapping. That's something that I'm certified in, but I wanted to bring in an expert who's been doing it far longer than myself. So it's either going to be a tapping expert or a breathwork expert. Either way, it's going to be another tool for you in your tool bag to help you work with this thing that can damn it, be totally, totally debilitating. So I haven't shared with you all for quite a while my personal story with anxiety. And 
I think this will lend itself very nicely to the conversation about situational anxiety versus chronic anxiety. And once I realized what was really happening with me, it was quite clear that I had chronic anxiety, meaning that it wasn't something that was a normal, natural fear response, right? Like it's totally normal to have anxiety before you go into a job interview or if you have to give a presentation at work or if you are going on the stage. But for me, what it was like was essentially feeling as though I was going into a job interview all the fucking time. So that same emotional current that you get where you have sort of the the racing heart, sometimes the sweaty palms, you're kind of on edge, you feel as though you might be sweating a little bit, you know, all of that kind of thing where your body is quite literally preparing for an imminent threat. And what's happening is you're in your sympathetic nervous system, your fight flight all the time. And that's incredibly draining. And I didn't realize until I was around other people who started identifying some of the similar symptoms of what this was even called. So let me take you back 2002. And I had just gotten a job working in cosmetics. I was working for a very prestigious, uh, amazing makeup brand that actually influenced my life in many, many great ways. And one of the things that was so pivotal for me is up until that time, I had always really labeled myself really uh, flippant names, things that we easily brand ourselves like, oh, I'm just a worry ward or, oh, I'm just a perfectionist or I overanalyze things little monikers that we could very easily dismiss or even wear as a badge of honor. But in reality, those sorts of behaviors were leading me to not be able to sleep. I remember very clearly that my husband and I, Mr. Smith and I, went away to Vegas, I think it was. And I woke up in the middle of the night panicked because I was so worried that I had left the garage door open or left a a flat iron on or something like that. And it was debilitating. It was everything I could do to get my mind to not obsess about what that could, what could have happened. So for me, my anxiety showed up very, very commonly as worry. So for many people who struggle with anxiety, it almost always comes with a little side dose of depression. I had a doctor refer to it as you sort of, you typically have a main course and then you'll have a side of the other one. So if you are quite depressed, you'll probably have a little side dose of anxiety. Mine was the opposite. It was the full plate of anxiety, and then it would have this little side of depression here and there. And I remember that there would be things that rationally, cognitively didn't make any sense. In fact, one time I bought a pair of earrings at a thrift store, and I didn't alcohol them down or anything like that. And I, this doesn't, this doesn't even make scientific sense, y'all. <laughs> I was so stressed out that I could possibly get AIDS from these earrings because what if somebody had 
you know, had to force those earrings into their ear and they bled. And then there was dried blood on these earrings. And now I put them inside my ears and magically I was going to get AIDS. And just that sort of a unbelievable thought process and fear process. And I'm an an advocate for science, y'all. Like, you know that. (laughs) And so rationally, cognitively, I understood that that wasn't an, a thing, that, that there's no way that that could happen. But I could not stop the incessant thought process that was happening for me. And it was curious because at the time, I was not immersed in, in personal development. I mean, we're talking a good 20 years ago now. And, you know, I'm what? I'm, I'm 42 now, so I was 22. And I didn't understand ways in which you could work with anxiety. In fact, it wasn't until I had started working with these other women who started telling me, oh, yeah, you have anxiety. And I was like, I have what now? And then I started realizing like, oh, this is not a normal way to respond to things. And I didn't know that. I thought that the things that I worried about were what everybody kind of dealt with. I had no idea that there was another way of being. Except that my husband was chill as fuck. Like he never was anxious. In fact, to this day, I think the only thing that I've ever seen cause him severe anxiety <laughs> is if is if the gas tank gets too low. If it the light is on and you're on E, which for whatever reason does not stress me out at all, he panics about it. <laughs> But other than that, that man is cool as a cucumber, as I'm sure you are well aware if you've listened to the pod for for many years when he was my sidekick. So there were a couple of things that I had been introduced to by the way of self-talk, of being able to tell myself, this isn't real, that worry is not founded, you're going to be fine. You know, there was a, a handful of things that that I had learned, but not much. I remember I had gone to a therapist who didn't really give me very many tools at all, wanted to dig into a lot of shit with my childhood, which I don't know how applicable that was. My Still, my guess about why I had anxiety, I think, has to do with the shitload of chemicals that we consumed in the 80s. That was the the dawn of all of the microwave meals. I remember we had these little hot dogs. They were called Fun Franks. I don't know if you all remember these, but they were in plastic and you cut just a little portion on the side and you would microwave them in that plastic. And so everything was becoming about convenience. And then there was the ridiculous fat-free craze where you were loaded up with chemicals in order for something to be fat-free, not to mention the litany of different sugars that we consumed. So I think a lot of that, for me, was caused a chemical caused a chemical imbalance in the brain from consuming so many chemically related foods. Now, that's a complete hypothesis. That's something that I've always speculated about. I don't know if that is 100% the case or not, but I do know that this has been with me for as long as I can remember. I don't ever remember a time 
when interactions with other people or friendships or school did not cause me massive anxiety. Now I feel like I have it very, very much under control, and it doesn't feel like something that I struggle with at all. But at the time, it was unbelievably consuming. And it almost was like the floodgates opened up when I recognized that there was actually a name for it. And I'm incredibly grateful for that group of women that I worked with in cosmetics who were so open and candid and sharing their own personal experiences. Because then I realized, oh, yeah, that's what this is. That's what this is. And because Mr. Smith was so even keeled and didn't struggle with that, it was hard for him to understand. So at the time, he thought the most magical thing to say would be, well, just calm down. (laughs) Which if you struggle with anxiety, that is probably the worst thing that you can tell somebody. Because if I could fucking calm down, I would. Do you think I would be in this state voluntarily? Of course not. And so we had to work through how I wanted to be spoken to, what was helpful. So as I mentioned, there were a handful of things that I had learned from a therapist, not not highly effective, I might add, a couple of things that I was privy to. And I felt like it took a sheer act of God, and I don't believe in God, (laughs) to get me to a place where I actually believed the self-talk that I was saying. So it took so much energy and mental real estate and emotional bandwidth to try to work with it that it almost felt easier to let my mind go rampant and just worry and worry and worry and worry. So much so that I would schedule out my worry. I would, let's say, if I had an interview on Wednesday, but I had a doctor visit on Monday and it was the weekend, I would schedule out obsessing about the doctor visit until Monday came. And then once Monday came and, you know, crisis averted, nothing happened, which was almost always the case, then I would go, okay, right, now I need to start really worrying about whatever's going to come up on Wednesday. I need to start really worrying about that job interview. So I would schedule it out. And I do think that there was almost a secondary gain in that I – was almost addicted to the relief where if I could work myself up enough to be so consumed and so worried about this one particular thing, and then when it inevitably did not go awry or it wasn't the catastrophic thing that I had been stressing about, the come down, that relief was exhilarating. And I think that is why I developed sort of the mental uh, gymnastics of scheduling out that worry for myself. So uh, back to what Mr. Smith would say. So he would then say things like, well, babe, you know you can do this. You know you can work through it. And that was really deflating for me at the time because when I would come home after a full day of mentally battling my anxiety, the last thing I wanted to hear was it could have been different for you. You could have had a much better day if you just used your fucking tools. And so I had to tell him, I recognize that you are genuinely trying to be helpful and supportive, 
And I love you for that. And I really appreciate that. Here's what happens for me when I hear you say that. Here's how I interpret that. It feels like a slam and, you know, explained what I just told you. And then I told him exactly what I would like for him to say. And it was this. I would love for you to say to me, hey, I'm so sorry you had a tough day. You'll get it tomorrow. Or one of my favorite quotes from Anne of Green Gables by Lisa or uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery, excuse me. Tomorrow is fresh with no mistakes. And at the time, back then in 02, I had gotten him to watch all the Anne of Green Gables series with me. <laughs> so he, he knew the reference. In fact, one time I came home and he was crying watching it by himself. And I was like, I fucking love this man. So I had to give him that specific vernacular, those phrases, please say these things to me. These are the things that are helpful for me. So I went on like that for quite a while. And then I ended up getting promoted in, in this cosmetic field. And I became a corporate trainer, which incurred a bunch of new responsibilities. And I was traveling. And I had come from a management position where or excuse me, I came from an artist position where my management was incredible and tons of positive feedback. My love language at the time was absolutely words of affirmation. So I was thriving in that small sphere. And then when I got promoted, I had to adjust to kind of no news is good news, which basically meant you are always going to only hear about the things that you need to improve. And that caused me the most severe anxiety and it got incredibly bad to the point where I started dry heaving and it was manifesting very, very physically. So it wasn't just the consuming thoughts and the racing worry that I would have all the time, but now it was starting to really be quite physical. And that's when I started to feel as though I was going into an interview all the time or about to go on stage all the time. And I remember very clearly that there was one night where I started kind of dry heaving because I was so freaked out about a corporate visit that I was going to have at one of my store locations. And I remember Mr. Smith saying, babe, I know that you have tried so many things. You've tried art therapy, you've tried dance and exercise, you have tried getting a hold of what you're consuming. You have tried therapy. I think it might be time to just consider medication. And at the time, I felt very threatened by that idea. It felt like something that was me losing. And I really had to give it some some considerable thought. And I started thinking about it through a different lens. I started thinking about, okay, if I all of a sudden lost my arm in an accident, would I say, oh, well, I don't want to be dependent on a prosthetic for the rest of my life? Or if I had issues with my kidneys, would I say, I don't want to be dependent on dialysis for the rest of my life? You would be like, no, we have modern medical advances that can help you have an unbelievable quality of life if you just say yes, if you just choose health. And I started thinking about, okay, what's the alternative? The alternative is me curled up on the fucking floor, dry heaving because of some 
fictitious notion that I've put in my mind, it's not working. This alternative is not fucking working. So that became my my new focus. I went to my primary care. I thought for sure she was just going to refer me out. And she was incredible. I was pretty much blown away. And I'll never forget, she said, if you continue down this path, it is highly likely that you will give yourself a heart attack or severe stomach ulcers by the time you are 30. I need you to hear me that you can die from this. And I was shook. I was so shook. I was like, oh, okay. So that really changed my perspective around being a perfectionist or being a worry wart. Like you don't you don't normally think of like dying from being a worry wart. And so I started my journey with medication and it dramatically changed my life. And I still to this day feel like it was one of the most loving self-care enveloping choice choices that I've ever made for myself. And I feel so much more like myself than when I'm off of it. And there over the course of the years I've messed around with things here and there and the alternative is just not something I'm willing to reside in anymore. And Mr. Smith has seen me through that entire journey and he has often said the same thing of I feel like you are able to s- s- kind of filter through the bullshit and be who you truly are when you have that assistance of medication. And and I've also seen this with clients too. And it's given me such a leg up on when I'm working with somebody where I think it truly is a chemical-related issue. It's something clinical. Um, Sometimes even severe situational anxiety really calls for it, like extreme disruption to your life. Maybe if you are trying to conceive and it's causing you just a myriad of stress, or if you are dealing with a death, or if you've moved across the entire country for a partner or for a job and it's not working well and you find yourself in in the throes of depression. So there can definitely be situations where I do think just even temporarily considering western a western approach with medication can change the game. And fortunately now as opposed to 20 years ago when I was engaging with this, it's come a very very long way. And I've had a handful of clients, and this is is truly like many, many years ago, where I could see that what was being called for was much more of a medicinal approach or a Western approach. And I had a, a, a few clients who came back to me and said, thank you so much for sending me in that direction. Had I not looked into that and searched that out, I have no idea where I would be. And and it's not that you have to stay on it forever. It's not that it's, you know, a life sentence or anything like that. But sometimes that can be exactly what you need just to get through a season or get through a chapter of your life. Because there is nothing shittier than trying out personal development tactics or, ooh, I'm going to try to speak kindly to myself. But you have such, such excruciating, severe anxiety that it makes you feel like you are failing at personal development. That's where I was. 
I felt like trying those alternatives were so, so challenging for me. It took everything in me that I felt like I was failing at those things. But then when I had just a little bit of help, everything changed. Everything changed. So I'll get off my soapbox about that, but that was my personal experience. I don't think that's the case for everybody. Again, I think that there is a very big difference between situational anxiety and chronic anxiety. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mentioned this a little bit before. Chronic anxiety is what I have. Basically, have never remembered a time in my life when it wasn't with me or that depressive episodes haven't been with me. I remember very clearly when I would come back from summer camp when I was little, really little, like maybe 10 or 11, I would I didn't have the words for it. So I didn't know how to explain how it hurt because it wasn't like my arm hurt. It was like my emotions hurt. And I remember not being able to explain it, but I was going, I was basically experiencing grief and depression from no, no longer being at summer camp with all of my friends, but I didn't have a name for it. So I just said, it hurts. It hurts. I'm just sad and it hurts. So I can see anxious behavior back in high school. I can see depressive behavior all throughout my entire life. So I know that it's something that has been quite chronic. Now, situational anxiety is different. That is what I was mentioning earlier, where it's just a a, a season, a blip on the radar. It's something that you're going through. And it could be something that is highly anxiety-inducing, like just going into a job interview. That's super understandable. Of course you're anxious. Or it could be a season, like I mentioned, where you've moved to a new location and you feel wildly unsafe. That's a piece of our fear response, which I'm going to get into in a second. So keep that in mind, too, that there may be something that you are challenged with right now. It doesn't necessarily mean, okay, I'm going to be in this anxious place for the rest of my life. It could be that I just really need to work through this one area. And that's worthy of getting some support. That is worthy of digging into, my friend. Because I think we sometimes compare ourselves to, at least I know I do, I compare ourselves to earlier versions of ourselves. Like, well, I studied abroad in college and that didn't freak me out. Why the fuck am I freaking out right now? And not giving credence to what we are actually going through. So keep that in mind. If you're dealing with a situational anxiety period of your life, it still deserves remedy. And it could also be a manifestation of something else that you have not worked through. It could be that this is a way in which you are processing things and it's manifesting physically or with an anxiety disorder because it hasn't been addressed in the past and it kind of reached a fever pitch. This is something that I work with my students on all the time because for many of us, we've gone through some really chaotic shit in our childhood and we're not taught how to be with that emotion. We're not taught how to process it. We're not taught how to resolve it or conclude it. We just kind of stuff it beneath the surface. And when we don't process our emotions, when we don't adequately heal from trauma, 
it tends to manifest in some form. So again, if you speculate that that could potentially be you, please search out a qualified therapist. Please search out some sort of support that can help you start to navigate this. And what I want you to hear more than anything else is you deserve healing. You absolutely deserve healing. And you are not alone. You are not alone. All right. So let's talk about the origin of anxiety and how we have gotten to this place where we feel as though there's an imminent threat and our stress response starts kicking in, yet it's not something that is really warranted. So what I mean by that is our body starts kicking off a fear response when we perceive danger. Now, back in our caveman days, If we perceived that we were going to fall off a cliff or that there was uh, an enemy approaching or that there was a mountain lion about to attack us, we would then have our sympathetic nervous system kick in to help us survive our innate fear response. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Commonly, we hear the most about fight, flight right? Primitive fear response. Now, I'm going to link to another episode that I did where I break down the four fear responses and their modern iterations. But for today, what I want to highlight is that fight response, that innate instinct to fight off the enemy or to fight off a predator has now become anxiety. It has evolved into anxiety. So basically what's happening on a physiological explanation is we feel a threat is happening to us if we can't pay a bill, if somebody doesn't like us, if we don't get a promotion that we wanted. There's a stress response that kicks in. The fear response kicks in. Now, do we feel we actually have to go fight the creditor or we have to fight our boss or we have to not necessarily but the new iteration of that of the fight response is anxiety so the reason why i think that's really important to underline is to recognize that your body is doing what it's supposed to do it's just unbelievably uncomfortable The same way menstrual cramps are uncomfortable or the same way when you break your leg and your leg is trying to heal, it's shitty. It's uncomfortable. Even normal things like sweating is uncomfortable. So sometimes our body's innate reactions to healing is uncomfortable for us. Anxiety is one of them. So please know that when you are in the throes of anxiety, it's highly likely that your stress response is kicking in and there is a perceived threat. There is something that's happening that your body goes, oh my God, we're in danger. It's the modern iteration of the lion coming at you, okay? So let's talk about some of the things that we can do about that, right? It's like, okay, let's start changing this, shall we? All right. So let's talk about avoiding and prepping for triggers. It's most common for people who struggle with anxiety to have certain triggers that arise that tend to send you into that anxious thought pattern 
or get you into sort of that rumination place, maybe it's being around certain people. Can you mitigate that in any way? Can you set yourself up for success in any way? For example, if you know that you're going to be around family that is highly triggering for you, can you make sure to schedule a a massage afterwards or even schedule a workout afterwards? Or can you talk to a really great friend who understands how difficult it is before you go so you can kind of gas each other up and like cheer each other on and say like, you're going to be able to handle it. You've got this. It's it's only temporary. It's going to be a short visit. And then get home and do an, an awesome workout or journal it or call me. Is there something that you can do to either scale down or eliminate altogether being around those certain people? Or can you sandwich that interaction with either a great thing to do prior, maybe some breathing exercises, maybe a meditation, maybe visualizing how you want to show up, and then something afterwards, some self-care afterwards? Are there elements of your work that increase your stress and anxiety? I know for myself, if I leave things to the very last minute, that tends to heighten my anxiety like crazy. So if I am more structured, if I'm more planned, if I'm thought out, if I lean on my team more frequently, if I ask for help, that always helps to mitigate stress and anxiety. So start taking a little inventory about the things that trigger you and are there ways that you can start working with that? Can you set yourself up for success? So another example, I used to get extremely anxious about flying and really had a severe fear of flight. Now, thanks to tapping and learning emotional freedom technique, they're synonymous. They're interchangeable terms. It's commonly called tapping. When I got certified and learned that modality, they did an example in the class of fear of flying. So I'm just tapping along, doing the whole process around this fear of flying. The next time I get on a fucking plane, y'all, I was like, why am I so chill? Because I had my my Xanax with me. I was always had a drink before I got on the plane. And then immediately it was like, over here, I need some some scotch over here. And I could not believe the difference. So we will absolutely be talking about tapping, if not in this anxiety segment, this series. We will definitely be talking about it at some point because it's an amazing tool. And it's something that we dig into a lot in Deep Down and Dirty, which is my signature program that many of you are quite familiar with. So I then... (laughs) Uh, was like, wow, okay, I'm not that afraid of flying anymore, which is amazing. Now, that's actually not the point I was trying to make. What I wanted to share with y'all is I knew that just the process of flying incurred so much anxiety for me. It stressed me out just the thought of the actual flight that I knew if I was running late If I didn't have proper snacks, if I didn't feel fully prepared, then it would exacerbate that anxiety. So what did I do? I would get to the airport two hours early. And my best friend would tease me about it. 
Mr. Smith would tease me about it. But I would say, hey, listen, this is me setting myself up for success because it causes me so much anxiety just to be here. I need to do every and anything that mitigates that a little bit. And so I would get to the airport super ass early. I'd get all my snacks lined up, fill up my water bottle. I would then have a a nice little lunch or breakfast or whatever and then get some work done or play games on my phone or do something where I felt like, okay, at least I'm not in a hurry because anytime I'm in a hurry, my anxiety goes through the fucking roof. So I know that giving myself tons of time really helps support that. So start thinking about what are the triggers that I have and what can I start to do to set myself up for success. Now, another thing that I mentioned a little bit earlier with Mr. Smith is start to tell the people around you who you trust, who love you, who genuinely want to be supportive of you. And that's an important caveat. Start telling them how to help. Start telling them the things that would be helpful for you to hear. Uh, In fact, Mr. Smith and I started something around, I haven't done this in a long time, actually, probably because I'm not nearly as anxious as I used to be. But during certain shows that were like suspense thrillers or lots of lots of, you know, like fast paced or are they going to make it in time or someone's chasing them kind of energy, I would get two anxiety breaks during the show. And it would drive Mr. Smith crazy, but he was so supportive and loving about it because we'd get to this like crucial moment in the show or the movie and I'd be like, coming out of my skin, anxiety break, I need an anxiety break, I need an anxiety break. And so we would pause it. And then I would just let my anxiety come down a little bit and just kind of chill out a bit. (laughs) And that was incredibly helpful for me. So we kind of established that as a little routine, a rule. You get two anxiety breaks per show. And I'm happy to say I haven't had to use one for a while. So start telling the people in your life what to say, what's helpful to hear. Like I said earlier with Mr. Smith, the things that he thought would be incredibly helpful to say were hard to hear and really frustrating and was not at all what I wanted to hear. So I had to actually give him the phrase and be really kind in delivering that, of course. All right. So a couple of other things that you can do to let go of this anxiety. About a year ago, a little over a year ago, I created a completely free hypnosis meditation for you related to anxiety and fear. That is right, y'all. It's a free shit alert. We interrupt this broadcast of the Joy Junkie Show to bring you this urgent free shit alert. Repeat, this is a free shit alert. So if you cruise over to thejoyjunkie.com slash anxiety, you will see that you have the ability to download this track completely free and it walks you through a visual hypnosis meditation to relinquish or let go of anything that's been consuming your mind that you can't really control. 
and you've been ruminating, you've been stressed out about it. I've had so many people reach out to me and say, "Ah, I didn't think this was going to do anything. And holy shit, I feel so much calmer. And uh, my students who work with me inside my Deep Down and Dirty program, we do a ton of hypnosis. And that's one of the key pieces to start shifting our subconscious and our belief system. So if you're at all interested in that, you can find information over on my site. But if you really are serious and you want to dig into that program and see if it's exactly what the ass kicking that you need right now, go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, have a watch through that completely free masterclass that I have for you, and you'll see an option at the very end to book a complimentary call to talk to a member of my team and just see if Deep Down and Dirty is, is right for you, if it's what you need to start letting go of that perfectionism and people-pleasing and self-doubt. And if you're done with that shit, go have a watch at that workshop. The link will be in the show notes as well. Okay, so be sure to get your hands on that free hypnosis track, thejoyjunkie.com slash anxiety. A couple of other things that can be really helpful. Omitting caffeine, y'all. And I know, I know, you're in your car or you're in your house or whatever, and you just said, hell no, fuck no, I'm not giving up caffeine. I said the same thing too. I absolutely said the same thing. I wish that I did not have to learn that until I went through my hypnosis training. I wish that my regular fucking doctor 20 years ago would have said, let's try letting go of caffeine and seeing how you feel. Caffeine mimics anxiety. So it will feel like you are in an anxiety attack if you have too much caffeine. It does your anxiety zero favors. In fact, it exacerbates it. Have a couple Google searches about it, and I think it might blow your mind. At the very least, cut down. Cut down and just do an experiment. See if you feel any better. All right? Lavender essential oils can be really helpful starting to work with the various different types of senses, deep breathing exercises, breath work is a whole modality that can be helpful. So typically, holding our breath, if we feel as though we can't breathe, short, shallow breaths will stimulate our stress response, right? It kicks in fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And remember, the modern iteration of fight is anxiety. So the opposite of short breaths or holding our breath is going to be incredibly calming. So the deeper the breath, the more exercises you can do, filling up the entirety of the lungs can be incredibly helpful. And we're going to talk about that a little bit next week with LaToya as well. Obviously, I mentioned meditation. Hypnosis can be helpful. There's also a guy, I'm going to link to him in the show notes. His name is Dan Candell, and he goes by the Anxiety Relief Guy on TikTok. And I love his stuff because he'll just drop these quick little tips on how to curb anxiousness. And he shares one called the pen roll. So you basically hold your hands like you're clapping, right? And you put a pen in between the palms of your hands and very, very slowly you begin to roll the pen, right? Back and forth, almost like you were making a tube with Play-Doh. And you do that very, very, very slowly, rolling that pen through the palms of the hands, slowly, slowly, slowly. And you do that for about two minutes. And what that does is it stimulates the vagus nerve, which stimulates relaxation. 
So again, check him out in the show notes if you're interested. And if you're on TikTok, have have a, a little search for him. The Anxiety Relief Guy has a bunch of great tactics, things that I had never heard before. So he's a great resource. Also, have a go-to anti-anxiety phrase, something that reminds you that the current state that you're in will not last forever. He's telling yourself something like, this will pass. This is only temporary. I am safe. This always ends. Calmness is on its way. Peace is on its way. Something like that. But decide right now what is going to be a helpful phrase for you. For whatever reason, I love I am safe. I think it's because I recognize that I'm actually not about to be attacked by a mountain lion. I'm actually not about to be prey my lizard brain just thinks I am. So if I just remind myself, I am safe, I am safe, you are safe, you can do it in that phrasing as well, feels so much more relaxing to me. And then finally, I did an episode a while ago, episode 317, we'll link to it in the show notes as well. It is all natural, 10 different all-natural anxiety hacks. A couple of them I mentioned here, but there are a bunch of other exercises that you can try that I think could really, really help you. So I, I hope that this has been a helpful and enlightening episode. Again, we have two more episodes in this series where we'll be targeting anxiety and working through that. And again, if you have not yet uh, taken me up on my free workshop, please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. That's where you can get that completely complimentary masterclass where I talk about some of these things we've talked about here of how the subconscious and the conscious mind work, how if you've been listening to a ton of audiobooks or podcasts and you don't really feel like things are changing for you very much and you still don't feel like you're worthy or that you're enough, there's a very real reason for that. I like to call it collecting personal development. So if any of that sounds familiar and you're dying to let go of this self-doubt and people-pleasing, please go check that out. Again, the link will be in the show notes. And again, the worst thing that happens is you just learn a thing or two. So be sure to have your pen and paper handy. So I believe that is it. Come hang out with me on Insta at the Joy Junkie on Instagram. And I haven't asked this for a while, but it would mean the absolute world to me if you would scoot over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. There is quite a bit of behind-the-scenes work that goes into the production of a show like this. And I love doing it. I love bringing it to you all. And it would mean the world to me if you've gotten anything out of it and it's been an influence in your life for the better, please leave uh, preferably a five-star review uh, for Apple Podcasts or truly any platform you're on. Apple Podcasts tends to be the big gun. But I will take whatever kindness you feel like throwing my way. So I will see you around these parts next week with a brand new episode. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. <laughs>